guys, we are back. Welcome to Rankable episode 26. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. And today we have a special, special topic or special segment of LinkedIn All-Star. I've got one of my personal favorites here. Um, if you know her, you may know her as the blue-haired unicorn. Uh, she's very active on social media. Um, she's a speaker, HR, culture advisor, uh, DNI activist, anti-racism, a racism consultant, and she's super passionate about helping organizations create and maintain equitable spaces that promote psychological safety and authenticity. So if you guys know, like me, I'm all about authenticity, and I'm so happy to have this guest on today. So I'd like to introduce the very special Madison Butler. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you. I'm excited <laughs> for all the people having at home. Like I was telling Madison in the room, like we've had some amazing guests. We've had like some crazy CEOs, CMOs, and I'm super grateful for. But I've gotten more DMs about you, Madison, than anybody I've interviewed. I've got people hitting me up like, Jared, you got Maddie. Ah! I'm like, oh, man, this is big. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's, it, it's amazing. And, you know, I told you back in the green room, you know, like for those who don't know, when I first started on LinkedIn, Madison was one of my inspirations. So like the first two weeks of me posting content on LinkedIn, I see Madison and she's just being so authentic. And then she has the blue hair and everything. I'm like, yeah, your branding is phenomenal. I'm like, you just seem awesome. And I just had to connect. I made a post, I tagged her on it. And then we developed a friendship and and here we are today. So it's, it's an honor to have you on. And, you know, I know we have 30 minutes. I'd love to jump into it and just, you know, learn from you and what your experience has been. So, so let's start from the top. Like, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. And like, why did you start with LinkedIn? Because I'm curious, you could have been on Facebook, Twitter, any other place. And you know, we always hear like LinkedIn isn't a place to have these sorts of discussions about social injustice, inequality, you know, equitable workspaces, the whole nine. So why LinkedIn? Um, So I'm, I'm obviously on other social media platforms. Yeah. To be honest, Twitter like kind of scares me, despite me being on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I knew that LinkedIn was a space where like, I had access to people I would never have access to otherwise. People yeah. who are running companies, people who are funding companies, people who are managing people. Yeah. And most likely on Facebook or on Twitter, you're only going to see me if I'm in like your inner circle or in your echo chamber and I'm reflecting ideas that you already have. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily the case on LinkedIn. I see ideas from people who I would never think to see ideas from. I unfortunately see Gary Vee posts every day. Like there are all of these people who see my content that wouldn't see it if I was just posting it on Twitter, you know, Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, totally. And, and I'm curious, like, because you you get a lot of traction. You've amassed a great following, right? But one of the biggest things that, that I've seen and I've recognized from reading your post is the negativity too, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. for those who aren't familiar, you know, please go to Madison's post, you know, check out what she creates and, and just look at the comments for a change, right? And, and see what kind of discussions are happening. You know, you know, I've read the New York Times article, and if you haven't, it's a big article about hushing Black professionals on LinkedIn and Madison was featured. And it really just talked about what are some of the negative negative negativity she's faced outside and offline, including death threats and numerous emails. So I'm just curious, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? And how had that, you know, impacted you professionally and personally? Um, so I think it's a lot about not internalizing this. And you and I chatted about this in the green room. But when I was younger, I dated someone who was really bad for me, as a lot of us have done. Um, yeah. However, my scenario was wildly physically and emotionally abusive. And he was a white guy, super racist, hardcore Trump supporter. When we broke up, our breakup, unfortunately for me, made like BuzzFeed. Um, and so when it makes it to the whole world, like the trolls you get are, are pretty rough. Um, but I had lived with like the world's biggest troll for three years of my life. And 
I like refuse to let someone else's pain dictate my life ever again. And so like, I'm in a state now where I can recognize like so much of his issues are one thing he like needs to work out in therapy. Um, but they stem from like pain and trauma within his own life. And though I don't forgive him, I, I do feel empathy for the pain he lives with. And so I kind of view people who come to my page the same way. If you're reaching out to me, a person you don't know on the internet to basically like spew hatred and threaten me, you've got some other stuff going on that has nothing to do with me. Totally. Um, I know that I have like a, a good life. I, 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 you know, I love everything I do. I love my partners. I have black dogs. Like I can't be upset because of someone else's opinion of me. It's taken me a long time to get to the space where I like truly love myself. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be real hard to take that away from me at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I know it's still difficult though. Like, cause like, let, let's be honest. Like we all, we all want to be loved, right? We all want the positivity. We all want people championing our content, things like that. And then when you internalize, especially when you're getting it at the rate you're getting it, like it's hard not to, to just ignore that. You know what I mean? So I commend you because every response I've ever seen from you has been very, very professional. You don't get off topic. You stay very narrow to the point and you just, and you just tell it how it is. Right. So like for me, like when I first started creating content, like a goal of mine was like, how do I create a brand and how do I do sales stuff, increase my awareness and all that. But there's a fine line when it comes to speaking about specific topics, especially mm -hmm. like social injustice, that means a lot to me. So I'm curious, like what advice would you give to somebody like me who obviously wants to speak about those topics, but you know doesn't want it to jeopardize you know my business or any opportunities that may come my way. Like what 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 you know suggestions or would you give somebody like myself? Um, so this is probably not the advice people want to hear, but I've also come to terms that there are going to be people who don't want to work with me um, because I'm yeah. so black, I'm so queer, out loud all the time. But that's also okay with me, and that's a decision that I've made for myself and a boundary I'm setting. I don't want to work for an organization that wants me to make them more money, but doesn't want to value me as a human being. Yeah. And so that's just the deal I've made with myself. And I know it's not the right deal for everyone. And I know that I speak from a place of privilege, being able to even make that deal with myself. Totally. Um, and so I don't think everyone has to be as loud as me. And I think everyone, I think of MLK and I think of Malcolm X and like we needed both of their fights and their fights were so different. Totally. And this fight comes in many forms. It doesn't need to be a loud, proud campaign on LinkedIn. It can be donation. It can be education. It can be all of these different things. So if at any point you feel like this is jeopardizing your own livelihood, I encourage people to not go the same route I've gone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but on the other side, if that is a deal that you do want to make with yourself and you, you do only want to work with people who, who truly value you, um, you just show up. And, and I think sometimes we get in our heads about LinkedIn posts a little bit. Yeah. I know I do. And then I just stop. I was like, I'm going to just write this thing and I'm, I'm going to hope for the best. And I didn't <laughs> start out with the content I have now. I just feel like I'd be like, and be like, ooh, that's really spicy. And then I would like be like, okay, hit send and walk away. Hit send and walk away. Kind of like when you send like a birthday text message, it was like the same concept, but with <laughs> so, so, I'm the same with the best posts are the ones you don't think about. You just mm -hmm. five minutes, you send, you let it go. Don't think about it. When you sit there over analyzing each line and what the impact would be, like it never works. You get one like, it's from your cousin, your old coworker from back in the day or something. Yeah, even, and that's when I, I take that same approach in my responses. And that's why you don't really see me going back and forth with trolls yeah. um my like methodology and why i why i co-founded rage rainbows was like it doesn't accomplish anything like they're not here for education they're not here because they want to learn they're here because they're trying to make me quiet 
They're trying to make your message go away. It's yeah. so like my take on trolls is I basically leave you one snarky comment. I will make you look dumb one time because I, I can. Um, and then I leave and then I exit the chat. And then I go make a donation to someone in your name that protects victims of you. Because the thing I also know is if you're abusive to me, a stranger you know don't know, Mm-hmm. What are you like to the people you do know? What are you like to the black woman on black? What are you like to the queer person you're interviewing? Um, I try to take that energy and, and put it somewhere positive, um, which is why I started Rage, Rage to Rainbows because I needed like a place for all of that like raginess. <laughs> <laughs> Just vent and let it out. Right? Yeah. I feel you on that. And I'm also thinking like, like, because you mentioned like you have to make an agreement with yourself. Like, I'm not going to let anybody else affect my own happiness, right? This is my path. This is a message to have to get out. And I don't care how you feel about it, right? But is there anything that happened professionally to you that made you just say, it is what it is? Like, what have you dealt with professionally that was really hard and that's made you kind of develop and take this path that you want today? Um, so I think the combination of obviously getting out of that relationship, I had like made a deal with myself at that point. Um, mm-hmm. From a boundary standpoint, I wasn't going to pretend to be someone else for anyone in my personal life. So whether it was dating or friends or my family, um, because he turned me to someone I really I didn't recognize or like. And like literally, he had me up like ironing boxers at 5 a.m. Like I don't even own an iron, like to be- <laughs> so not a good look. And so I think it took me another really like two and a half years before I realized that was a boundary I wanted to set for myself at work. I had gone to an interview and of course they were like, oh my God, we love you. You're so smart, you're so good. Ah. Um, and then they followed up with that big butt and they were like, but yeah. <laughs> you change your hair and straighten it and wear a skirt. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, and I had this like, and in the moment, I 100% didn't know how to respond. I was like, okay, thank you. Because I, I didn't know what else to say. And then on my drive home, I got like progressively angrier. Yeah. Um, and I just realized how many people hire me because I one check a box, but two, because I'm also really good at what I do but they don't give a shit about who I am as a person. Yeah. And I refuse to make money for someone else's dream that doesn't give a shit about my own. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I got to this place where I was like, my hair is non-negotiable. You're not gonna ask me to straighten it. I'm not going to use my phone voice anymore. Like, I'm not going to sound like this and you don't feel right. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna do it. You're not gonna get it from me. And so I kind of, I rolled with it. And then I remember interviewing with Scott Lee. And I was like, okay, so my hair is blue. And he was like, yeah, I got eyes. Thank you. (laughs) So like some people really don't care and that's okay. Um, And then I realized like my blue hair doesn't actually impact how good I am at what I I do at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I've just been on this road ever since that I was like, I'm going to be extremely particular about where I go. I am not going to take roles that I don't really find within my own network. I'm not going to go out here like, risking it all yeah. um, for a company to then turn around and think on the box that they're going to try and check. I'm not a black stock photo. I'm not your like pride stock photo. It's not going to happen. Um, so that was kind of how it happened for me. It was, yeah. it was really random and happened from some company that I didn't even really want a job with, but it was like this, this moment of really realizing what that meant. Yeah. And I think you, you, you nailed on a good point. And, and it's, like you said, you come from a place, place of privilege. And I was in that same position where I told the story last week where I had to cut my hair to get a raise. I have to, you know, I'm a sales guy. I have to come with the phone voice. I can't be like that. And then like just this year, I started really thinking like, what really is professionalism, right? Like I do my job. I do what I do. I'm very good at what I do. But if I come here like this, does that mean anything, right? And depending on your situation, 
Like some people, I'm, I'm privileged enough to have family. If something happens tomorrow, like I have a safety net. Some people don't unfortunately have that. So that's something why this conversation is so important, right? Like just be yourself at all times. If you be yourself, you don't ever have to lie. You feel better when you're coming home. And then I don't want to be with somebody making money, especially in sales, generating revenue. And you don't even know who the hell I am as a person or you don't even give a damn about who I am as the person. Right. So I just think that that's super huge. And you were one person who I said inspired me to be like, I saw your post and I was like, what? She said that that what? And I'm like, oh, OK, let me take that down. <laughs> and I used to like not mimic, but like used to like, yo, I could just be me. And I appreciate you for that. And we also have a question from Rakesha. Thank you, Queen, for joining. I appreciate you as always. But she asks, as companies attempt to revamp their DEI strategies and following a New York Times article on black voices, what strategy would you share if LinkedIn approached you to consult? That's a great question. I will be 100 percent honest. I would not take it. You would not, but why not? Um, well, so and, I, and if it came with a bag, if they gave you a bag, would you? No. Okay. Um, cool. And so this has to do with just my philosophy in general. I believe in building things from the ground up. So in my consulting practices, I don't work with big companies, and it's not necessarily because I don't care, but like you're never going to see me at a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon. Okay. Um, I think their damage is done. I think they're they're no way for me, a single human being, to change their imprint, and I would tell you, I would bet my last dollar that I don't think they actually want to change. They want to change the optics, um, but they don't want to change. And so I work with companies who will be the next Google, Facebooks, and Amazons, because I think there is hope to build this in an ethical way. I myself have been really focused on um, this theory, which is by Zebras Unite. They're a really great follow if you're on Twitter, um, but they believe in more zebras, less unicorns. And so right now the world is so focused on unicorns, which is a billion dollar valuation, which is cool. It's exciting, but also 99% of unicorns, white guys, the, the world was built for them. I don't know why we keep celebrating. Like this was, DC was literally created for them to do this. Yeah. Um, but zebras are companies that still care about profit. They still want to become a profitable company, but they also care more about people and, than profit. They care about their economic impact. They care about bridging generational wealth gaps. Like they're companies that want to do the right thing while building cool products. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's actually hope. <laughs> Please don't tell them I said that. I mean, they might do this. I don't know. Um, but I, probably, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it. I would be super happy to introduce them to someone who I think could be a good fit. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I don't think that large companies are in a space where they can turn it around at this point. Totally. And, and, and I'm like, how do you how do you vet the people that you work with, though? Like, like, say, for instance, if I'm a CEO, I'm a, I'm a Caucasian CEO, I've been in the space for three years. Like, how do you know if somebody really wants to, uh, you know, have a diverse, inclusive organization? Like, How do you vet the real from the fake? How do you do that? Because somebody um, could tell you, you know what I mean? They could tell you anything, oh, you know what I mean? Sure. So, so and again, I think it comes down to like, one, I don't work with people who blatantly ask me the ROI. Um, if you have to, if I need to give you an ROI on hiring black folks, like I, I feel like I'm not going to work with you because I'm not a dollar sign. And I'm, again, it's not for optics. Yeah, um, yeah. But what I do do is I work with founders and CEOs and heads of HR. Um, and I see their willingness to be able to look in the mirror because that is... 50% of the work is being able to acknowledge the biases you have within yourself because the biases you have are going to shape your company as, as leadership. Yeah. And if you aren't willing to look in that mirror and be self-aware enough to call yourself MBS, you're never going to be able to create a company that you actually enforce policies that protect people. 
Um, so I spend a lot of time talking to people about like actual truths and yeah. what's actually going on and being able to try and pull those truths out of them. Um, and if I can't get to that space, and if we can't get away from data and we can't become human centric, um, then it's a no for me. But I will yeah. happily introduce them to someone else. I want people to get this work done, but I'm also very aware of how I approach this work. And I'm not warm and fluffy. I'm not going to coddle your your white guilt. I'm not going to coddle like the the argument of all lives matter. Like it's just not going to happen. And it, because it's not, I'm not warm and fluffy. I really believe in this work, and I believe that to do this work, you have to get uncomfortable, and you have to be upset, and you have to be angry. Like there's no warm and fluffy route to change. No, that's that's so true. And I, I applaud you for that. Like, just keep being yourself. Don't change a bit. <laughs> like, keep up with the authenticity. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, people who, who are following you, like myself, and who read your content all the time, I'm curious, like, what's the what's the best thing that's happened to you on LinkedIn or through social media? And what is the craziest thing? I mean, you spoke about it in the green room. But what are some of the craziest things from a negative standpoint that's happened because of the content you create? Um, I guess the coolest thing is that, like, I technically met my partner like through LinkedIn kind of um, because I applied to something they had posted and then they picked me to be a speaker and then they moderated my talk and then like we were like oh we're, you're cute no, <laughs> so I guess that's pretty cool um, wildest thing that happened okay so <laughs> buckle up um, buckle up <laughs> like I have no shame like if you post wild racist things to me like I have no problem screenshotting I have the quickest screenshot fingers on planet Earth. Um, like, if you said something wild to me, I guarantee you it's in an album in my phone. Because one day I'm convinced I'm going to make a coffee table book of the wild comments from LinkedIn. Yeah. That's like, my, it's my long goal. Um, but I always, always post them on my Twitter. Because I think it's, it's, white people have to know that this stuff actually happens. There is a difference between me saying it and you being able to emotionally connect with it because you're seeing it, you're reading it. Yeah. Um, and this woman had, like, made this wild commentary to me probably back in August, um, about Google Blake. Like, wild. The whole commentary it was like, this long and wild. It was just like word salad. Um, I posted it on my Twitter, didn't even really think about it again. And then, like, a month and a half later, I got this weird DM on Twitter from like, mm. a minor, who is her son, who's like threatening to come throw hands with me. And I was like, you're like 16. I can't even <laughs> respond. It's really illegal. Um, didn't think about it again. Then I wake up one Sunday morning and someone was like, have you seen this? And this woman went to this website called Koopy and made all these fake reviews about me interviewing her and that I wouldn't hire her because she was white and Catholic and like what? wouldn't stop. I mean, there were like paragraph on paragraph on paragraph about how I wouldn't hire her. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know you. Like, I don't, I mean, I've definitely never interviewed you. You live in like random middle of nowhere, Ohio. Um, and so then I ended up having to get an attorney and like serve a season with this because she kept emailing my company and like leaving voicemails and like just oh, in general being like wild. And that's not even the wild part of the story. So I served her the season with this. My attorney serves it like virtually because it's a pandemic. She responds and says, LOL. And I was like, that is not the sign of a stable person. But okay. Um, so, Yvonne, which is her name, took this information to another influencer who is adamantly all right, um, is a big, big old Trump supporter and has 100,000 followers on YouTube. This woman went and made a 30 minute video just scrolling through my Twitter, scrolling through my LinkedIn for her 100,000 followers. Wow. And then 
tweeted about me for like 48 hours straight. Reposted the video repeatedly, just like kept tagging me in things. I changed my Twitter handle, he found it, tagged me in that. Um, when I tell you like these were the grossest death threats I've ever seen, they were all about like blood and like just armies of patriots needed to visit my house. It was wild. And I mean, it went on for like a month. I ended up driving home um, because someone showed up at my house, like to my house. Um, and when I told the police, they were like, we can't help you. You should talk about race less online. And I was like, thanks. Thank That's you guys. what the police said? They were like, well, maybe you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't post controversial content. Is basically what they said. But I also have freedom of speech. What is that I can say and do with the hell? And I, I was want. like, well, it's not really, I was like, wanting to stay alive isn't really that controversial, but sure. Exactly. Um, so I ended up driving home for a month, which was fine because I ate all the food for like a month straight. Um, it was it was fine. But again, like it's scary driving across the country um, through Arkansas and middle of nowhere, Tennessee and middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania um, anyway. And so then when it's also like, I probably pissed off a bunch of people in these states, doesn't really make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's still wild though, right? Like that you have to do that. You have to leave your leave your home, leave your place of tranquility, go all the way back home, drive across country because it's something that you're speaking about and you're championing, you know, a good cause like social, you know, you know, like just social injustices, like things that happen like the Black Lives Matter movement, George Floyd, all the things we've seen that we've seen for years. And you're just shining a light on it saying, let's please have a conversation. Like I don't, I don't understand that. And we also have another question. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't see the young lady's name, but this is actually a really great one. I was going to ask you as well. Yeah. But I'm a white cisgender woman, and we need to step up to the plate in fighting white supremacy. Can you share a story of an ally who supported you, or tips of what you want to see happen more often? Great question. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't see your name. I would love to shout you out. It's Kelly. Oh, it's Kelly. All right, I didn't see the name. Kelly, shout out. Um. Yes, and I can give examples too. But so I have um, a friend here who I consider one of one of my favorite friends. Um, his name's Adam. He is also a a white guy. He is also hetero and cis, and just like a great being. Um, but we've had many scenarios where like I'll text him. I'll be like, "This person is wild in my comments. Like, can you go handle for me, please?" Um, but there was one instance where this person just like wouldn't stop. And he literally was like, how about I give you my phone number, we hop on the phone and we talk about why you feel these things instead of you asking Madison for emotional labor. Mm. And like, he literally hopped on a call with this random person um, to basically defend my point and defend my receipt. And for me, that like leads me to when people ask me as an ally, what can you do? Um, normalize believing black folks and marginalized folks in general. I think so often we talk about our trauma and then we're asked repeatedly to prove it. And then not only are we asked to prove it, we're asked to prove that it wasn't our own fault. Yeah. So like when I call the police and I tell them I'm getting death threats and somehow it's still my fault because I post controversial content, um, that is a big piece of what contributes to violence in all of our communities um, because mm -hmm. people don't believe us. And I know for me, it, it's the same in corporate spaces as it is in personal spaces. If I go to my boss and I say, Joe Bob was a racist and said this racist thing to me, um, it's not that uncommon for my boss to say, well, I haven't had that experience with Joe Bob, so I think you're just reading into it. Instead of being able to say, well, oh, I'm white. Of course my scenarios and interactions with Joe Bob have been different because he treats me differently because I'm white. And being able to come full circle that way instead of immediately becoming defensive about people you care about, trust, or respect. Um, for me, that's, I think, the biggest thing missing in allyship because we're often told that we have to prove our trauma. 
Which, like, yeah. in fairness, some of our trauma can't be proved because if Joe Bob says something racist, I can't be like, wait, 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 wait. I'm Say gonna go it get again on camera. Say, Say it, it again. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> like, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> or even some things that we can prove, people are like, well, that's not racist. That's just an opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think being able to back up and say, well, okay, I don't understand why this is, was racist. Let me go figure it out. And by go figure it out, I mean use the internet. Do not ask marginalized folks for emotional labor because that is, again, still asking for the receipts when you are perfectly capable of doing the work. That that is a great point. That is a great point. I was gonna ask you the same thing because like I think we've all seen it and like what we want from our allyship allyship, right? And I think um Desiree, who we had on last week, said it perfectly, right? Just be courageous and speak up. You know what I mean? It's not just when it's in something mainstream, but it's in the boardroom, it's in the meeting room, it's when we have those interactions with our bosses. If something doesn't feel right, you have to speak up. And it's not necessarily on us as black professionals to always have to speak up because there's always that stigma of the angry black woman, right? The angry, you know, black guy who's there and you know he's just angry and mean all the time when really you just want change i want to be treated just like everybody else like it's kind of similar like if i go into an office and they're like hey yo what's up jared i'm like yo fam you don't you don't know me like that <laughs> you know what i mean don't what's up me don't do all of this stuff i yes i have a hat on i listen to rap but i'm also multi-dimensional you know i'm a lot of different things but this you know what i mean aside from this so I worked with um, a woman once who I was sitting in the break room minding my damn business because that's what I do. That's why my skin looks great. I mind my business. And she was like, what's the tea, sis? And I was like, oh, God. And this was years ago. And I was just what? And then she kept doing it. She kept like coming over to my like desk in my office to be like, so what do you use in your hair? I think we have really similar hair textures, but I just want to know what products you use. Because I think they're probably the same products I use. And I was like, they're not. <laughs> they're absolutely not. You're <laughs> <It's> silly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would love to, you know, take take any other questions as we're, we're winding down. I think we've got five more minutes and I wanted to do the speed round, too. So, like, speed round is just me just asking you some quick questions. You just tell me what, what you think first thing to come to mind, right? <laughs> he should definitely work at the same way. <laughs> but, uh, but as far as the um, speed round, what's your favorite hobby to do outside? You know, what's your favorite hobby right now? What are you doing? What what keeps your mind going? What keeps you? How do you decompress? I feed all the deer in my yard and then give them all names. <laughs> What's your favorite one? Um, I have one named Spud, and then I have another one named Loaf. And they're both like big eight point bucks. What? Yeah, they're big boys. And they come they come kill on my deck. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm a city slicker. I haven't seen a deer. Actually, yes, yeah, another story. I ran over a deer, but I'm still going to Atlantic City. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? But that's a whole other story. But um, I'm curious, what are you listening to right now? What songs are in your playlist? Like, how do you wake up in the morning? What are you getting on to get you in the groove? Um, so this is like really embarrassing, but I'm like a really hardcore Drake stan. And mm -hmm. so like, anytime I like need to like zone in, I just like listen to all of his original albums, like start to finish. So you, you listening to So Far Gone and all that? Yep. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then who who is your who is your favorite content creator on LinkedIn or social media? Who have somebody that you've modeled your you know content strategy after? Is there somebody you want to shout out? I don't know if I've modeled my content after anyone, but I do I do love Minda Hearts and Arlen Hamilton both on Twitter, just because you know they are such career traditions, but in their own way and not in a traditional way, which is obviously what I'm aiming for as well. Yeah. And then what what do you are are you on Clubhouse? Are you on what do you think of it? Absolutely. Not, I'm on it. I got invited. I am not on it because I like silence and I admit that for me. <laughs> 
I actually found like a lot of sound to be almost not triggering, but it puts me into a place where like I'm very uncomfortable when there's just a lot of people talking. So, like even at my own house, if like my partner is talking and the TV is on, I'm just like, please stop, oh my God. Um, and the other thing about Clubhouse is because you have to invite someone on stage to talk, you could get up there and like talk a bunch of nonsense that doesn't make sense and give people all this bad advice and no one can like step to you. No one can like yeah, try check to- you on that. Yeah, no one can check you on like your, your nonsense. I was in one room once, I heard, a recruiter tell people that startups should invest in like some thirteen thousand dollars software, and then I left the room because I was like, absolutely not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, and I'm dabbling. I haven't got fully comfortable yet, but I, I'm definitely going to get there. And what's what's your favorite show that you're watching right now? What's the one thing that everything stops? Uh, I really, I mean, it's not necessarily a particular show, but I watch a lot of murder documentaries. So if a new murder documentary comes out, I'll 100% watch it. We just been like both manhunt. So one was about yeah. the Unabomber yeah. and one was about the Olympic bomber. Both were quite good. Um, if you haven't watched The Undoing on HBO, also binge that in a night. Undoing is sick. Uh, I've seen that one. Did you see The Night The Night Stalker is a good one. I'm like, I mean, it sounds bad. I don't want to say I'm obsessed with Richard Ramirez. That sounds yucky. Um, but I, I find him to be super interesting. Um, he, he really is. I, I, I was glued to it on Sunday. And another show I would recommend is Your Honor to everybody. If you're not yep. on Your Honor, please jump on it. And, you know, what, what are some things that we could look forward to from you, Madison? Like, where can we follow you? You know, what are some things coming up that we, you know, I want to support that all of us can support and get behind you for? Well, I have a podcast now called Bye Bye Binary, which the website is byebybinary.com. Um, I am focused on building out my website and actually having a newsletter. I'm not very technical, so I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> but in general, I've promised myself that I will write a book around what it means to live through domestic violence and then come out on the other side. So at some point, that'll exist. <laughs> well, well, I'm definitely wishing you best of luck on that. If you need any help with the website, let me know. You know, we do SEO and all that stuff. Well, any tips and tricks I can give you, you know, I'm an open book for you. But I just want to thank you again. Like, it's an honor and a privilege. I, I appreciate your thoughtful questions. I appreciate your authenticity. You know, I've got a lot of love and respect for you. I'm pretty sure everybody who's in here who knows of you feels the same way. And we just want to see you win. So I appreciate you so much. And thank you again. I, I want to put a plug in now. I want to come to your podcast. So, so please book me. I'm ready any day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a mic and I usually like get dressed for things. <laughs> I'm gonna come just like this. I'm keeping it authentic all year. <laughs> but thank you everybody for joining. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for the love, Rakisha, Kelly, everybody else who's joining. I know I've got some family members in here as well. I love you guys. We'll be back next week um, with another episode with the CEO of Spread, Andrew Wang. And uh, we appreciate you guys sharing and I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week and see you. Bye. Bye bye.